Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not, right, multifocal. not multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Dr. Bill Harris. In this episode, Dr. Harris discusses cardiovascular, brain, and eye benefits of omega-3s. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell. Also, please leave comments. Be sure to watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube Movies and Shows. Now, let's talk about, clinically, the risk of cardiac death. Uh, there's been a number of studies on how omega-3s, using the index, could, tells us Who's at greater risk of longevity from having a heart attack or cardiac uh, cardiac uh, death? Right, right. Um, and some there's more and more of these studies. Uh, it was it was really the uh, a, the presentation of a study like that, uh, what we, where it was called sudden cardiac death was the endpoint, not just dying from heart disease in general, but sudden cardiac death, which is about what half of the people that actually die of heart disease die of. They, their, their first symptom of heart disease is a fatal event, which is terrible. Um, so there was a big study done uh, at Harvard <clears throat> where they looked at omega-3, really the omega-3 index in the, in the blood in hundreds of people, followed them for 17 years after they drew the blood. They drew the blood sample when everybody was healthy. Then they just followed these people over many, many years and, and asked, well, who, who's dying of sudden cardiac arrest? And they found in that study that the people with the highest omega-3 levels were only, well, were 90% less likely to be dying of, of compared to the people in the lowest group, uh, to have a sudden cardiac arrest. And it was the presentation of that study, 2002, that really turned the light on for me and my, my German colleague to come up with this omega-3 index. That was the genesis of the idea because we know that because that study said, look, omega-3 levels don't just tell you how much fish you're eating. They're actually prognostic in the same way that cholesterol level is prognostic for increased risk for heart disease. There needs to be a blood test. And so we decided we're both going to, we're going to assemble the data, make the, make the case in the literature, and then create laboratories to offer this test. And that's what we did. Um, so the, it, the original story of the omega-3 index begins with heart disease and sudden cardiac death, but it's expanded beyond that over the last 20 years. And now we know, uh, the most recent study we did, we looked at the risk for, in I think around 10,000, uh, no, 40,000 people. We had blood samples on 40,000 people around the world, and we measured the omega-3 levels in all of them. <clears throat> And this was a pooling project, a study with 17 different groups all worked together. And we, so we measured the omega-3 level. We, we then separated people into different groups of the lowest to the highest omega-3 level. And then we've, they had been followed over around 16 years after that blood sample had been taken. And the first thing we asked was, are they alive or are they dead? So it's a, a total mortality question. And we found that the people that had the highest omega-3s were roughly 12% less likely to have died in that window than the people that had the low omega-3. And that was highly statistically significant. There's a reduction in risk for death from any cause with a high omega-3. 
Then we looked more specifically, we call cause-specific mortality, cardiovascular death, cancer death, and then everything else. So we have three different buckets. You know, people die of something, right? You know, it's heart, cancer, or something else. And we asked, did the omega-3 level predict risk for any of those specifically? Is it just in the heart? That's the, that was the question. Is this re- reduced risk for total mortality just reflective that the omega-3s protect you from heart disease, but they don't protect you from heart cancer, and they don't protect you from anything else? I mean, that's the question we were asking. And what we found was, to our somewhat surprise, <clears throat> yeah, the higher the omega-3, the lower the risk for cardiovascular death. But the same was true of cancer. The higher the omega-3, the lower the risk for cancer, and the higher the omega-3, the lower the risk for every other cause of death, all, the whole bucket of everything else. So it was related to a, a very generalized, it's not just a heart disease thing. The omega-3s are good for all your cells, and they, for a variety of reasons, allow people to stay alive longer. And so we want to shoot for eight is the magic number, eight percent, and we don't want to be below four when you're doing the omega. Yeah, yeah right. In, in large, that's exactly right. Don't want to be below four. You want to be above eight. If you're at seven, you're not you're not going to die tomorrow. Okay. I mean, people get real worried. So seven is way better than five. And I, and I want to bring it back to the mechanism just for a second yeah. and uh, for cardiovascular disease. And I know there's probably lots of mechanisms, but yeah, one yeah. of the mechanisms that's easy to understand is that omega-3s increase the, uh, the, the particle size of the LDL. And when you have small LDLs, there's more, it is a greater risk of those particles to get into the gap junction, get inflamed and get vulnerable plaque. So by increasing the size of the LDL particles and making a more fluffy, a more better particle, there's a less risk of getting it in, into the gap junction in the uh, in the endothelium of the of the blood vessels. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one of many things that the omega threes do. They uh, lower triglyceride levels, which is kind of the first thing we knew they did. They also help thin the blood. And again, chronically having blood that's less likely to clot inappropriately in the wrong places, that's also a very good mechanism. They can lower blood pressure. They make the blood vessels themselves more more uh, flexible, less stiff, uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, they also, and then the, the main effect probably that applies to so many diseases is it reduces this chronic background inflammatory state. And if you've got a, if, if you're going year after year after year after year, uh, with a mild chronic elevation in inflammation, that affects everything. And the omega-3s lower that, and by virtue of doing that, they affect many many diseases. So, including the buildup of plaque in the heart, because that's also an inflammatory process. Uh, so th- those are the general kind of mechanisms we think of. And the same same with cancer, inflammation being the core component of chronic disease, and yeah, you know, I, and again, I, I can't claim to be as much of a expert in cancer, hardly at all, as a matter of fact. Um, I, I've been much more in the heart disease area, but I, to what extent is cancer an inflammatory disease? I'm sure there's a component somewhere, but it's really dysregulated cell re- cell replication. I mean, that's the problem with cancer. Uh, why would omega-3s, uh, higher omega-3s be associated with lower risk for death from cancer? There's probably an ome- a inflammation factor in there somewhere, uh, but I, there's probably other factors as well that we don't really fully understand. Yeah, I read this paper about lipid rafts. Oh, yeah. And that, that omega-3s clean out the damaged lipid rafts, which could increase the risk of cancer. Um, yeah, you, can, you could probably make a case for that. That, that's that's not irrational. So in in Japan, the Japanese live about four years longer than the Americans, and they have uh, omega three levels in the nine to ten range uh, because of all the fish that they eat. That's right. That's one of the <clears throat> one of the pieces of evidence. Well, you know, one has to piece together evidence in in science for cause and effect, and that's one of the pieces of evidence that's uh, we use to say that yeah. You know, we've seen that in Americans, higher omega-3 reduces your risk for early death, and so you live longer, essentially, uh, and that fits with what we see in Japan. Now, it, 
looking at Japan, obviously the only difference between us and Japanese is not their omega-3 level. Holy cow. I mean, their diet is very different. Genetically, they're different. Although that's not a problem. I mean, the studies that have looked at Japanese who have actually emigrated to America and adopted American lifestyle, primarily diet, have shown that the Japanese are just as susceptible to heart disease as Americans are if they're eating the same diet. So it's not a genetic thing. Uh, and but cancer it is a lifestyle. Well. It, it is a lifestyle thing. And I mean, what's, what always amazes me about that point you made about Japan is that, number one, the Japanese have, on, on average, higher blood pressure than Americans do. Uh, they have, certainly have more stress than Americans do, at least the, the, the stereotypic image we have of the, of the stress of a Japanese businessman. They smoke more than Americans do, and yet they have much less heart disease and they live for four years longer. Is that all because of the higher omega-3? Is omega-3 canceling all of that out? Hard, hard to, that would be optimistic, but I think it's playing a role. But it's definitely helping for sure. It's helping. It's helping. You know, there's always a point, can you eat too much fish? But I guess dolphins who eat fish all the time, I guess they've been tested and their omega levels are about 18. Is that correct? You're still, you're reading my papers, man. It's great. <laughs> yes, we studied dolphins. We're about to publish a paper on beluga whales too. So, And yeah, that's all they eat is fish. And their omega-3 levels are in the, you know, 18 to 20 range. I mean, they're not 50, 60. They're kind of hitting a ceiling here. For, for a mammal, um, but they're healthy as healthy as horses, um, and we don't we don't really know the health effects of omega three in in these kind of sea animals. Cause that's all they ever know. So beluga whales, what are you finding there? Omega threes to be at is that uh, you can tell much the same. It's it's that in that 20? it's in that high. Right, right. There, uh, that seems to be a marine mammal thing. We've looked at killer whales. Starting to look at flamingos and otters, you know, we're kind of running around SeaWorld and anyway, what about that one? What about this one? Yeah, that sounds like fun. It is kind of fun, you know. You just 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 figure it out. So uh, we talked about this a little bit, but let's deep dive a little deeper and how to raise your EPA DHE level. Is it just eating fish? Is it just taking supplements? Do you have to take both? How, how should we do that? Um, well, from a purely nutritionalist point of view, you would always like to advocate food first, as we say. Um, if, if you can, get your omega-3s from eating those smash fish we were talking about, starting with salmon and ending with herring. Uh, that's probably the best, partly because you, by virtue of eating those kinds of meals, you actually don't eat other foods that are not so good for you. Maybe, you know, fatty beef or pork, things like that. So it's a substitution effect as well as a, a, you're adding a good thing. Um, reality in America, there's a, we don't grow up with a taste for fish. We, it's not part of our culture. Um, so it's very tough to get people to bump their fish intake. Uh, they can eat a lot more shrimp, and that's fine, but there's no, almost no omega-3 in shrimp. So, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so supplements are fine. I, I don't have a problem at all with omega-3 supplements. I think they're a great way to attack uh, this deficiency we have in long-chain omega-3s in our diet. So whether it's krill oil, fish oil, algal oil, it, it, I don't care where it came from. It's the chemistry is that if there's EPA and DHA in it, that's a good thing to eat. Now, will krill oil raise the omega-3 level as much as fish oil because there's less omega-3 in it, but they have some other things in it that may help it to possibly be more absorbed a little better? Yeah, it looks like the, it probably is absorbed a little better, and it may be a little more effective, gram, certainly gram per gram uh, of omega-3. Omega-3 from krill oil, omega-3 from a, a triglyceride or an ethyl ester, um, <clears throat> the krill oil is probably a little more effective in getting that omega-3 index up and so if you just if you just eat fish twice a week is that enough to raise the level or do you also have to add in the omega-3 uh uh supplement um our experience is not enough no 
the uh, it's a standard American Heart Association type recommendations to two fish oily fish meals a week you know it'd be great if people would do that I mean I'm not against that it's just uh, that's not going to on our in our experience that kind of intake is associated with an omega-3 level maybe around five and a half or six percent uh, people who take supplements typically have an omega-3 index level that's about two units higher than people with in the same fish intake category uh, would have. Uh, so in our experience, the people who are most likely to have an omega-3 index over 8% are people who report eating three or more fish meals a week and are taking a supplement. Um, so I, you, you don't have to do it that way. You can do you can eat no fish and just take supplements, and you can get to 8%. Or you can do it the other way, all fish, no supplements, you can get to 8%. But the mix of the two, you really need to get in the neighborhood of 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams a day to get up in that level. You have to spend, if you don't have insurance, you have to spend $500 a month on the prescription, or can you get go to a vitamin shop and get a good brand there? Yes answer to your question you can get a good brand of omega-3 that will have the same impact on your omega-3 index as uh, the most expensive pharmaceutical product will um, you know, typically people can't get the pharmaceutical product unless they have a certain disease and that's what the doctor prescribes it for uh, so omega-3 supplements from uh, health food stores or grocery stores drug stores are are fine I, I want people to focus on a couple things when they're looking for a supplement uh, number one, how much EPA and DHA are they actually getting in the pill? Because most supplements will say on the front, 1,000 milligrams, well, this just says fish oil, this is 1,000 milligrams. Um, and that means what is 1,000 milligrams of fish oil in a capsule. Uh, that doesn't mean you've got 1,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA. It means that, let's see, we got fish oil. Fish oil and typically... The cheapest are going to be 30% omega-3. So you might have a 1,000 milligram capsule of fish oil with only 300 milligrams of EPA and DHA. So for that, you need to take, if you're going to try to get 1,000 or 1,500, you need to take uh, four or five pills a day of that stuff to get that dose. But there's other omega-3 products. If you look on the back, you can see oh, one capsule provides 900 milligrams of EPA, DHA. Okay, that's one pill a day of that stuff then. Uh, to get that dose. So you just need to look for the dose. And then there's a more subtle thing is the form of omega-3, um, the drug products. And many of the, the concentrated uh, dietary supplements are in what we call an ethyl ester form, uh, which is a, a chemical uh, uh, reformulation of the omega-3s. So you actually start with fish oil, and then you chop off the fatty acids from a backbone. I mentioned there's three fatty acids in a triglyceride. You chop off the fatty acids chemically. You attach a ethanol group, like alcohol, ethanol, uh, and you make an ethyl ester of the fatty acid, and you can concentrate. You put more of the omega-3 products into one pill when it's concentrated like that. Um, and that's okay. That's what the pharmaceutical products typically are, and, some, and many of the over-the-counter products. Uh, but you just need to be sure and take them with food because they, their absorption is not as good uh, on an empty stomach as a triglyceride oil or a phospholipid-based oil. So would you say in general, if you have a choice between triglyceride and ethyl ester, the triglyceride is better because it's absorbed better, like I guess Mac Health, their product? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that it's a better product if you can get a triglyceride. Uh, it may be more expensive because in order to make a high concentrate I mean, a pill that has a lot of omega-3 in it in a triglyceride form uh, is a few few more chemical steps to or purification steps to make that happen. But if, if I had the choice, I'd take, take the triglyceride form. Take the triglyceride form if you have the choice. Let's talk about brain health. There's been some studies on soldiers and uh, that take omega-3s and cognitive function. If you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I mentioned earlier, and when, when we first started talking about uh, DHA being a major uh, fatty acid in the brain, and there's, uh, it, it's clear that as humans develop in the in the womb and early nutrition, that the development of the brain requires uh, optimal amounts of DHA 
be available. Uh, we've looked, I mean, you, you can look at brain health across a wide spectrum. You, you had mentioned ADHD, which is kind of an adolescent brain issue. Uh, just developing good eyes when you're uh, a baby and good visual, that, that's early development. Uh, then we talk about, for many of us, uh, dementia at the end of life is obviously also a brain issue. And in the middle of life, there's other, there, there's depression, which is a brain issue. Uh, there's schizophrenia, brain issue. There's bipolar. There's all these different problems above the neck you know, from that you can develop. And omega-3 seems to play a role in, in many of these. Um, and not every study shows a, a benefit of giving omega-3. Um, some do, some don't. You never, you never find a, a downside to giving the omega-3. I mean, the, most of the time it's either null or beneficial. Um, our most recent work in, in this area is focused on dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Um, and we published a paper a couple of weeks ago looking at the omega-3 levels in red blood cells, the omega-3 index, uh, in a group of people called, that it's a population called the Framingham Study. Framingham is a, a simply a suburb of Boston where a um, major population study was started in the late 1940s. And it's been going on from the first generation, the second generation, the third generation of people have, have been studied. And we studied the second generation of people. And we asked the question, um, we measure your omega-3 level when you're roughly 65 years of age. Uh, does that predict whether you're going to get dementia or not over the next 10 years? And are people with the highest omega-3s less likely to get dementia between, say, age 65 and 75, um, then people have low omega-3. Does it make any difference? And yeah, we found that the people who did have the highest omega-3 levels um, in this group, actually they were on average age 73. Uh, so on average, major your blood level omega-3, which is my age right now, so I should, I should do that probably. Um, and then you follow them for about 10 years, you see that there's about, almost a 50% less chance of developing Alzheimer's disease or dementia generally uh, if you have the highest omega-3 level compared to having a really low omega-3 level. So it doesn't mean it's causal, meaning that we don't know that if you just start at age 60, start taking fish oil pills, you're all, all of a sudden going to stop this process that's been going on for decades. Uh, but I do think if, if people would start at age 10, 15, 20 to increase, I mean, ideally you start at minus nine months, you know, that's where you really begin. Uh, but getting a high omega-3 and holding it your whole life uh, should be very, very helpful in forestalling the development of dementia. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. MacU Health, your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. In, in that paper, I believe you made also a comment about APO4 levels. Right, APOE4. That's a, that's a, a particular we call a lipoprotein. It's, that's a protein that's stuck on a lipoprotein. You were talking about LDL particles a minute ago, a low density lipoprotein particles. Those are the, the bad ones, right? Um, those particles have a a protein called APOB, which which is a protein that wraps around it. Other particles in the lipoprotein family have APOE, uh, and APOE comes in three different flavors, you know, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, and, you know, different, different genetic shapes of that. And people who have this APOE4 instead of two or three, APOE4 have been known to have higher risk for developing dementia, and people have been studying for 20, 30 years. Trying, Why is that? What does that have to do with anything? And they've made progress on that. But our question was, okay, we know people have have this genetic APOE4 signature. We know they're at higher risk. Does Do they need a higher omega-3 level to protect them 
from dementia. And uh, the study we published uh, found some evidence for that, not, not you know, slam dunk, closed, closed story, because we didn't really have enough people. We need a bigger study to really analyze that. But it did look like people who had the lowest, lower omega-3 and they had the ApoE4 were at higher risk. So we do recommend that if people have this ApoE4 the signature, and you can get that from like 23andMe or, you know, I mean, anybody who, who analyzes genes can tell you what uh, uh, ApoE4 type you have. You should take more omega-3. Uh, it certainly doesn't hurt, and the evidence suggests it might help. And just because we don't know for sure doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I mean, this is a great paper just published in Nutrients that you're talking about. 49% decreased risk of Alzheimer's with people high, that high levels uh, of omega, omega-3 uh, using the omega-3 index test. It was so actually, we, actually, we found it was specific to DHA, interestingly, that red blood cell DHA levels not so much EPA, it wasn't really related to EPA, but the, the DHA was the, the, the blood biomarker, the red cell DHA level that really did uh, predict best uh, lower risk for Alzheimer's. But getting back to supplements, you wouldn't recommend taking just DHA, you recommend taking them both together in about the same ratio that we find in nature. Is yeah, that, that's exactly. what I'm going to try yeah, to get. That would be my right. first choice. That, that would be a first. And then you guys also talked about hippocanthal volume. Uh, can you talk about that study? Uh, yes. that, you know, you know how the brain shrinks with age and yeah, how omega-3s right. helps that. Again, yeah, and, and the study we did, and again, most of the studies we're doing now are all the, always what we call association studies, uh, looking for a relationship between something like the omega-3 level um, measured in a group of people at a certain time, and then what happens over time to them uh, as a function of the omega-3 levels. And one of those studies was done in the Women's Health Initiative uh, study. It was a cohort of women, obviously. And uh, they had omega-3 levels measured in their, uh, actually, we measured their omega-3 index in their blood. And then uh, we also measured at the same time with a, um, a MRI machine, uh, magnetic resonance imaging, uh, the whole brain structure, and we found that if, with that kind of test, you can tell how big is your brain. And as you mentioned, as you age, your brain shrinks physically in size. And if you got Alzheimer's disease, it shrinks even faster. And one portion, of course, there's many arcane parts of the brain have crazy names that people don't understand. But one little piece of it is called the hippocampus, and that's really kind of the memory, it controls a lot of the memory centers. It's a small part, center of your brain. And we found that the higher the omega-3 level, the larger, the less shrinkage in the hippocampal area, uh, which fit with the idea that, yeah, people who have higher omega-3s also do better when they do these cognitive function tests. Uh, and, so, and that makes sense as well. And uh, we've got a new paper coming out and, uh, confirming again that this is, uh, this relationship between high omega-3 and uh, improved brain just physicality, size of the brain uh, is real. You know, when we talk about dose for prevention and then maybe a therapeutic dose, somebody starting to get Alzheimer's or an ADD, ADHD type kid, would your dose for ADHD still be at about 2000 if it was your child with ADHD or would you raise it up to 4000 or a little bit higher um, I, I, I might I might do that I, I think that might you know certainly if, I, if they had been on 2000 for some years and they're still developing ADHD then I certainly would um, but yeah I, and I don't see any there's no safety issues there uh, it's just a matter of compliance and will a kid actually take it uh, of course the liquids help with that um, I think there's certainly some liquid formulations that are real easy and they're kind of emulsified in banana flavor or orange flavor, and those are tasty. Um, but I, yeah, the, it's ob obviously a principle of, of, of medicine. The, it's better to prevent than to treat. Uh, it's better to prevent than to try to reverse uh, something that's already gone wrong. Uh, so we really try to focus on prevention, uh, not so much seeing the omega-3s as, as drug-like, as treatments 
for something. Um, I mean, they may have that role, but I tr try not to view them that way. I try to view them in more of a, a preventive, get a healthy level and maintain it. That's the best approach. And I think it's important that we talk about the 2018 trials and uh, the reduce it, vital, and ascend. Uh, what we've learned from that and the positive we learned from it. Let's, let's start with reduce it. I mean, those are people that were on statins. Uh, that's a, uh, you know, that's, that's a pharmaceutical-based uh, trial. So that was... That was done by the pharmaceutical companies. And if you could talk about that and what we've learned from that and what we could take home from that. So we will start with reduce it, you know, and all, all of these big drug trials have some crazy acronym that you, you can't figure out why they got it. But this this was a study, as uh, as you said, in, in uh, Amarin, right? cardiovascular disease. Amarin's the company that owns the drug. The drug's called Vasipa. It is just EPA, ethyl esters. Uh, pure and simple, no DHA, no other fatty acids. And they randomized some 8,000 people that have are high risk for heart disease all on a statin because you want to know what it'll do on top of its current therapies. And they found, and they compared it to a placebo. And this, this, this is where this study becomes complicated because the placebo they used was a thing called mineral oil. Uh, it's an unabsorbable uh, oil that uh, some people use for constipation. Um, but they gave four grams a day of either the Vasipa or the mineral oil for about five years, roughly. Uh, and placebo group got the mineral oil, the active group got Vasipa. And they found a, a big drop in risk for all kinds of uh, cardiovascular events, uh, strokes, heart attacks, death, total mortality was reduced in the group that got the EPA. Um, the concern is that there may have been some worsening of risk for those diseases caused by the mineral oil. So it might have been not so much all the benefit, it was all the benefit of the active treatment EPA, but it could be some of that, some benefit from the EPA, and also some problem with the control group actually being worse off than they would have been if they not taken, if not taken the placebo. So it's, there's a cloud that's kind of hanging over reduce it. But at the end of the day, uh, the EPA product probably did, did actually lower events. Um, and some people have said, well, that proves that EPA is the beneficial omega-3 and not DHA. Well, that's, that's a huge jump in logic that's not warranted. We, it, all it shows is that EPA was effective. It doesn't say anything about the efficacy of DHA, per se, because there hasn't been a trial that's just tested DHA, in people on statins looking at heart disease risk. So we can't say anything about that. But we can say that that was one of the most um, effective studies that we've seen, even though it still has this little cloud over its head because of the placebo. Um, so that was a success. And then there was a study. Let me ask you a question just quickly yeah. with that trial. Why do you think Amarin went with EPA only when they made Vesipa? Do you think it just really was a patent issue? It was easy to patent? Or do they have a logic behind only EPA? And uh, does anybody really know? Well, yeah, the, I think the history of all that is because in 1970s, when the, the um, Danish investigators, Jorn Dyerberg and, and Bang in Greenland, uh, identified EPA as the anti-thrombotic omega, as an anti-thrombotic fatty acid in the blood, that came from the diet, and that's why these Eskimos were not having heart attacks, because they weren't clotting. Their blood wasn't clotting in the coronary arteries and causing a heart attack. So early on, the idea was EPA is the protective omega-3. That was from the late 70s. And fairly soon thereafter, a company called Mochita in Japan patented an EPA-only drug called uh, lipidil. And that drug stayed in Japan. It never went anywhere else. But eventually people from Amarin uh, took over that patent or, or bought the patent or allowed it somehow to, to produce exactly the same thing called Vasipa, but it's lipidil in Japan. Um, and they just wanted to try to see, and there actually there was a successful study in Japan with this EPA-only product called Jealous, 
J-E-L-I-S, uh, where 20,000 people were given even a, uh, the uh, Lipidil, the EPA product, and they, Epidil, I'm sorry, and they found that there was a, a protective effect of that in a Japanese study. So I think that was kind of the idea to go on, keep going with the EPA only and see what you can get. And Ameren did a good job, and, and so, but, but they didn't come up with the idea of EPA only. That really grew out of the original Dyerberg and Bang story. So let's go to uh, Select. Uh, which one? The Select, uh, the, uh, the, the Vital trial, I'm sorry. Vital. Vital. Vital's a, like the biggest study that's been done in the omega-3 space. Uh, and it was a study that was not done in heart disease patients which is nice. It's kind of a, what we call primary prevention study. We're not trying to prevent a second heart attack. We're trying to uh, prevent a first one. Uh, and it gave, it had a big design, 25,000 people all across the United States. They were, they were randomized to one of four different groups. And this is uh, men over uh, 50, women over 55 without, without known heart disease or cancer. They were given either one gram of, uh, one capsule of Loveza, the prescription omega-3, that's about 840 milligrams of EPA DHA, so less than a gram. They were given uh, either that, they were given that, or vitamin D, uh, 2,000 2, units of vitamin D, they're given both, another group was given both of those, and the, the fourth group was given what they call a dual placebo, a fake, a, a fake fish oil and a fake vitamin D. And then they which is a fantastic way to design a study, see how these things add together. And they followed these people for five years. Um, they found in the omega-3 arm of that study that if, if you look at like total heart attacks or death from heart attacks, the omega-3 is significantly lowered risk for, for those deaths from heart attacks. Um, if you look at stroke or just total death from, from cardiovascular disease, there really wasn't much effect of omega-3. You have to, but they were, the thing that's complicated in this study is they start out with what they call a primary endpoint, a, a primary thing. The first thing they're going to look at is a, a people who develop some kind of cardiovascular disease, whether it's a heart attack, a stroke, uh, and maybe uh, angina, and some studies they use that as well, and pool all these together, and if somebody has any one of those things, well, they, they met the primary endpoint. Well, this composite endpoint was not significantly affected by the omega-3, but different elements of it were, and those are obscured by the fact that they didn't want to look at those other elements. They wanted to just look at the primary composite. Uh, so there was good benefit of omega-3 in some things like heart attacks. It's an important deal. And because it was only if, you take out, if you take out the heart attack part, it was a 28% decreased risk of heart attack. Yeah, right. If you just look at that piece, right, exactly, and and that's that's worth looking at. That piece is it's important. Um, they also found that even the composite endpoint, this whole gamish of things, was significantly reduced if you looked at the people that ate, the people that ate less than one and a half servings of fish a week. So they took the whole population, cut them in half at the average fish intake, reported fish intake, and the people that were eating on the lower half of that, so less intake of omega-3, those people, when they were given the omega-3 supplement, sought a significant benefit even in the primary endpoint, um, which suggests that, yeah, maybe the people who were eating more fish, they already had kind of enough omega-3 to help protect them anyway, so adding more didn't help that much. Uh, it's, it's, so we, we learned quite a bit from the vital study. The vitamin D part, nothing really showed up. And if we go to Ascend, uh, the Lavaza, the Lavaza one capsule with the diabetic trial. Right, right. We, that's can another you tell one us a little bit about that one? Yeah, that, that's, that was a study that was done in England um, with around, as I recall, 10,000 patients with type 2 diabetes. Uh, again, a, a placebo versus, and, and a good placebo, I think they used olive oil as a, a single placebo, one capsule of that or one capsule of Loveza, the EPA plus DHA product. And they had the same kind of experience as Vital did. If you look at this composite endpoint, you really didn't see a benefit. But if you looked at certain elements of it, and I can't off the top of my head remember which piece of it, you may have it there, um, was significantly benefited. Uh, vascular death decreased by 90%. Thank you. Thank you. Right. This and they is, only use one pill, 840 same, milligrams. Same as in vital, just one pill, 840 milligrams, EPA, DHA. So it's not a, not the kind of dose you'd really want 
to get a benefit. Now, which brings up strength, which is probably hopefully maybe the last, that's the last big study that's been done in this field. And strength was a study done by a pharmaceutical company, again, um, by AstraZeneca. And it was with a product that had EPA and DHA in it. DHA in it very and much it was like triglyceride. It. And it was a triglyceride one, right? No. No, it wasn't? Okay. It was a free fatty acid. Okay. It was unesterified, not, not hooked to anything. Okay. Um, in an enteric-coated pill, because free fatty acids can be very irritating to the stomach and GI tract. So they had the enteric-coated. Um, and they gave four grams a day of that. And me and everybody else in the field said, well, this is, gonna, this is gonna be great. It's gonna work great. Uh, but it turned out there was no effect, no benefit, no difference in outcome from placebo. Um, they still had uh, pretty low event rates, but it was still people on statins and a large group of people uh, at risk for heart disease. Uh, and that didn't have any benefit at all. And that's been a, a big puzzle in the field ever since a couple of years ago when that study was published. Nobody quite understands why, because we know they got their omega-3 levels up. There may have been other, other factors that we just don't understand with this particular form of omega-3 that's not a natural form, a free fatty acid, an unesterified, an un, unhooked up fatty acid is not something that's in our diet. Uh, so it may have had, that might have had some other side effects we don't know about. And how would you compare statin to omega-3s uh, for decreasing uh, heart attacks? Is there is there a difference? Uh, well, there is a no, of course, nobody's ever done that study, uh, which would be a study you randomize some people to omega three, some people to statins, and then see what happens. Uh, let me let me let me let me change that for a second. Cholesterol versus omega three. That's really gotcha. Oh, as a gotcha. So as a uh, something you measure, as a marker as, as a marker, marker for risk. cardiovascular disease. Yeah, yeah. Omega three level we have shown, um, and we're going to show again in a new paper that omega-3 levels are more informative, more predictive of risk for future cardiovascular disease than cholesterol is. Uh, cholesterol is pretty useless in that regard, uh, but the omega-3 level is really predictive, which is why we think doctors ought to be using this test, because uh, it's so, you, you can do something about it without taking a drug. For If you're low, you can actually fix it. Well, we're gonna help, we're gonna help, we're gonna help that in the eye community. I like that, I like that. So there was a paper, we have to talk about the SELECT trial. Uh, so tell us about that. And because there was, some, there, was, there was some implication that it may increase the risk of cancer, but it might be really because of the way, the type of vitamin E that was used. Well, right, I mean, that SELECT trial was, it was not a study of omega-3. It was a study of vitamin E and selenium um, and on cancer, prostate cancer. And they've reported, golly, it must have been eight years ago now, um, when they went back and looked at the blood samples, they measured the omega-3 levels in the plasma, uh, and they, they seemed to see that the people who had slightly higher omega-3s were more risk for cancer, and this got huge headlines. And they, the authors went way beyond their own data and said omega-3 supplements cause cancer. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But the press loved it. And the press, for some reason, just talked about this all over the place. Uh, it's been refuted since that time. It's not true. That, and the difference between the people who, who actually uh, developed prostate cancer and didn't was like, there was, you know, one group might have had an omega-3 index of 4.5, and the group that uh, didn't get cancer might have been a 4.2. So it's a very tiny difference. See, statistically, you can find effects, but in, in reality, there was just no difference between those two. So that SELECT trial was, was again, a not on omega-3 trial at all. Uh, as you allude to, there's some vitamin E questions about it. Um, it was, unfortunately, it was data dredging from an old study that uh, should not have been published. Thanks for clearing that up. And if we could talk, before we wrap up, I just want to talk about premature births and some of the Cochrane data uh, with omega-3s. Yeah, sure. Um, so there, uh, interesting observation, there have been many, many studies giving omega-3 to pregnant women typically to help with the development of the child and the uh, eye and brain development, and that's kind of been the point. But people have noticed over years that it looked like women who took more omega-3 actually uh, held the baby 
in a, f a few more days, a little longer. Long gestation was just a little bit longer. Uh, and they also looked at rates of premature birth in groups that got the omega-3 or not. And after you pool together 70-some studies, they found that, golly, the women that get got uh, omega-3 supplements in these studies while they're pregnant, uh, there was like, uh, I think it was almost a 40% reduction in risk for early preterm birth in the women that got the omega-3s compared to the other. And so it's now been, it's established science that it, at very low omega-3 level during pregnancy uh, is one risk factor, not everything, it's one risk factor for premature birth. And so that's something, again, a woman can do, take her omega-3 will increase the chances that she does not experience a premature delivery. Yeah, I mean, you know, what level would you like to see a pregnant woman at? What number? Would it be eight still, or, or could it be I mean, eight would be great. Um, what, what our data says that if you're over a red blood cell DHA, just pick the DHA part, our RBC DHA of 5% and above, that looks like there's no, no difference in risk for premature birth if you're over 5%. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. 42% decrease uh, risk of early term less than uh, 34 weeks. Yeah, and right. That's pretty powerful. That's it's pretty powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah. You know, with our field, you know, I, 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 I don't expect you to know much about this, but uh, just for me, for completeness, for dry eye, you know, there's been 12 studies uh, dry eye on dry eye disease that show a benefit to omega-3 for comfort and about a 38% decrease, close to 40% decrease risk in progression of macular degeneration with people with, that take omega-3s or, uh, or eat fish compared to people that don't. So certainly there's a big benefit in, in the eye field. Right. So I just thought I'd just mention that. So uh, if, you could, if we could go back to the omega-3 index test, there's different subsets of the test now that people could actually, you could actually, mothers could actually put some of their milk and send it in to find yeah. out the DHA, DHA levels. If you could tell us the different types of tests. Yeah, so the, 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 what we call the basic test is a dried blood spot test that you, know, you, you get your omega-3 index. That's the primary thing you get back. Uh, we have a plus test where you can get uh, your omega-6, omega-3 ratio, not because I think that's a great ratio, but because people want to hear it. Okay, so we give it to them. Um, get a trans fat ratio, look at uh, trans fat level. The trans fats are, of course, those bad fats in the diet. We measure those as well. Um, <clears throat> and then you can get uh, a complete profile, which has got all 24 fatty acids in it that are in, in the red cell. And uh, that's a lot of information. Uh, primary, the, the thing I think is still primary importance is the omega-3 index. Uh, beyond those tests, we have, as you su suggested, we have a mother's milk test where your mom can put a drop of her breast milk on a card, let it dry, and mail it in. This is exactly like blood. Um, so that's the mother's milk test. We have the um, uh, mom's DHA test or maternal DHA, or I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's a, a test for pregnant women that we would give them just the red cell DHA and try to see if they're above that 5%. So that's a test. We also do vitamin D testing. Uh, we do vitamin B12 status testing. Uh, we now do hemoglobin A1C testing from dried blood spots. So that's kind of the, the group of things we do at Omega Quant now. And that's at www.omegaquant.com. Okay, right. want to order it. But for the general person, the workhorse test, if I want to order it for my patients, any of the doctors watching this, is the dry blood spot test, is that just the workhorse test? Is that enough? I I think that's the primary thing. That's You want to know if, how, what someone's omega-3 index is and how much it's going to take omega-3 to get them up. Thank you. And for that, that's that's the one to go with. Well, I want to thank Dr. Bill Harris for joining me today. He's an incredible wealth of information. Nobody in the world knows more about omega-3s no. than he does. And oh, well, uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe. But anyway. <laughs> I appreciate him answering my questions because I'm very curious about this topic because I certainly, as an optometrist and, and the ophthalmologists out there, we're recommending omega-3s to our patients, almost every, almost every single one of them. So uh, it's yeah. important that we know about Great. it. Great. So, but Good. if people Good. want to know more about you, Bill, how can they find out? Uh, I think go to uh, Omega Quant web website and look at the About Us page, that kind of thing. We, there's something more about my biography there, or you can Google me. 
Well, again, thank you very much for spending time with us. This is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. And the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you can screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also gonna be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Will everyone please Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.